Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming from the beautiful, steamy Florida Keys. If you're not familiar with the Keys bartender podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and Keys life, life in general, whatever you want to call it. Today's episode, I wanted to talk about something we don't really think about until we really need it, and it's ice. Ice, baby, ice. Collaborate and listen. I'm doing the spoken word of ice, baby, ice. But ice is so important, especially in restaurant business, bar business. Summer, summertime for parties and things like that. Think about how essential that is. Uh, I mean, it's actually ubiquitous with parties, ice. And it's, you don't really think about it until you have a lack of it. Let me tell you a brief story so I can get back to talking about ice. But about 20 years back, my brother was having a party. It was my sister-in-law's birthday. And uh, my brother, unbeknownst to him, he scheduled the party for the same weekend of a huge blackout on the northeastern section of the United States. Yes, if you remember, if you're old enough to remember it, it was a, um, a blackout that hit a bunch of states in the northeast. Uh, the one state I was in, Pennsylvania, it avoided the blackout. It had something to do with something, an overload in Canada maybe, and or, or I, I, you know, we always blame it on the Canadians, right? But... The, the blackout occurred right on the weekend. It was it was about three, four days hitting the whole East Coast. It was very hot, and uh, it was it was crazy. Not the whole East Coast, but the northeastern part of it. And I won't go into particulars of it. But he was having a party, and we're having a, a, a surprise party, or a party for my sister-in-law. I don't recall if it was a surprise party, but he was having it catered. He's going to have a bartender and all that stuff. and But you have this blackout going on. It's about 20 years ago. We had cell phones, so we're able to communicate with the people. He's still doing the party. He calls around and keeps on doing He's not canceling the party. And up to the time of the party, I think it was still, I don't know if they got the power on right before the party or right after the party. I think it was right before, it could have been right before the party. But then again, if you think about it, all that time, no one's making ice. So my brother and I are scrambling around to these local convenience stores, any place he's in, in Towson, Maryland. And we're scrambling along, looking, going to 7-Elevens and, and all these other uh, convenience stores looking for ice. And eventually we're thinking, what, how, how are we going to get all this ice? And they said, well, we have trucks coming in. We had trucks coming in as we speak. So what I did was, I think at one of the places nearby, I gave money to one of the um, clerks there. And I said, listen, I gave him 20 bucks. And I said, give us a call when a truck's in. Would we be able to buy ice directly off the truck? You know, give it to you. You can load it into our pickup truck and he said yes so we went there and we got something like 20 20 bags 200 pounds of ice maybe more 
And, um, you know, they called us and we ended up unloading and stuff like that. But it was such a critical part of that, especially after everyone's been without power. So you have a party. How can you have a party in the summertime outside without ice? It's unheard of. What are, what are we living in? Are we, is it medieval times? Are we going to be drinking mead? No. You need it for your gin and tonics. You need it for whatever you... Um, there weren't wine coolers at the time and there weren't hard seltzers, but you know, you get my drift. You need ice for one of those parties. And you do know, you don't think about it at all until your party's going on and you don't have ice. Same thing for bars. When your ice machine goes down, it is a critical, critical piece of machinery. You need to have a supply of ice. It has to be clean. And it has to be pretty good shape. You can't just get any ice. Actually, here in Key Largo, there, we got a lot of ice-making capabilities down here because we are fishing town. And there's fisheries here. And you know what the fisheries use a lot of? You got it. It's ice. But they use a different ice. They make an ice in bulk, um, like a chip ice. And it's not necessarily pure. It's for ice that you cool down fish. It's not for drinks. Right? But we actually use that ice. If you, if you do have access to one of these, these fisheries here, they got these huge industrial ice-making machines. And the ice they make, actually, is not necessarily something you can use for drinks, but you can use it for cooling down your kegs. So when I was with the Rotary uh, here in the Upper Keys, we used to have a a beer blowout, a brew on the bay, they called it. And they had all these uh, South Florida breweries and different breweries come in. And they'd have a hundred different beers. And we would get ice from these fish out, uh, these um, fisheries. And we'd get hundreds of pounds of ice, these cases and cases. They were um, huge. It was like 200-pound cases, uh, wax paper, uh, cardboard boxes and we fill them up and we fill up a whole truck with these boxes with ice and then we take the ice out and um, you know you know cool down the kegs and stuff like that and we did brew on the bay in July and you know July here is like a lot of different places in the lower 48 it's hot and you go through a lot of ice and that's the thing you think about in a party I always suggest if you're the kind of person when you're invited to a party you don't arrive you don't like arriving on time or let's say circumstances prevent you from arriving early maybe you have to arrive like an hour into the party or two hours into the party you know what is one of the most thoughtful things you can bring once again you guessed it ice bring a couple bags of ice depending on the size of the party you know, people, I mean, you know, it sounds like it's wasteful, but if you do something like without bugging the person, you know, if you're two hours in, you really can't call the host. The host is already busy. But if you can always, you can always be thoughtful and you can bring two bags of ice. And if you're the host, if you have a friend that's arriving late, you can say, hey, listen, can you do me a huge favor? And I really appreciate it. Can you get me a couple bags of ice? Because you always run late. You, you know, you're running low on this ice and this one. You don't need anything to worry about. You're, you're, the people at your party, if you run out of um, Miller Lite, they'll drink Coors Light. You know, I don't want to get involved in that Bud Light controversy people get all freaking nutty about, you know. But, 
Yeah, if you if you run out of ice, though, it will be a significant event. Trust me. And then when you're doing that, if you're having a party, and this is very important for restaurants to do this, what we do is the ice you use for your drinks, that the only thing that goes into the ice is the scoop, the ice scoop, or a plastic cup if you're using as whatever you're using. But you don't you don't put bottles. You don't put jugs of milk. You don't put jugs of orange juice or anything in drink ice. Why? You don't want to contaminate it. You don't want to contain. Contamination can occur with a chemical, a liquid. You know, a chemical is a liquid. Uh, anything, food, your hands, glass. Glass is a huge contaminant. You don't want to have glass near your ice. Don't put any glass. Don't let anybody. Take a glass near your ice. You take a scoop, you take your metal scoop, and you put that near your glass. And you don't do that over the ice. You always protect your ice. And you can have your drink ice in a separate cooler, and you can label it and say, this is only for drink ice. And this is for chilling bottles of wine and beer and things like that. That's where you take your dirty ice. It doesn't matter because the bottles are sealed. And that's where you can use the ice, like I said, from the fisheries and stuff like that. The non-consumable ice. The non, uh, they call it another word. It's one of these things I draw. The, you know, non, you, the ice you're not going to chew. Okay? It's just for cooling things down. But your drink ice is going to be pristine. Now, there's also the quality ice. You got chipped ice. You got... That like snow cone ice, it's almost like uh, uh, it's granulated. You got cubes, you got balls, all different ones. People get really funky with your ice. When I say funky, funky in a good way. Sometimes they have the big circle balls of ice. They're good for like old fashions and Manhattans and things like that. You put that drink in there. It's less, it, it has less surface area than when you put a bunch of cubes in take my word for it. One big piece of ice has less surface area than the same weight of ice in uh, different types of cube form or chip form. And chipped ice is not necessarily good except for like sodas and things like that. You want to have pretty, if you're going to have nice cocktails, the nicer the ice you have, the better. Clear ice, as I said, hygienic ice. Very important. Make sure you have that scoops. Make sure you have a backup scoop. Make sure people aren't doing anything around it that would compromise the purity of that ice. And you just got to think of it. How important in in times of every time the restaurant, if the ice machine is is on the, uh, you know, is acting up. You just got to think, and the first thing in my head is like, well, we need more ice. You guys, this first thing he's telling you, well, how, do you have enough ice to get started? I go, yes, but I'm thinking two hours from now. Well, we have ice two hours from now. Just be ready because, you know, you don't need to go. You don't want to run out of ice and then have to go out and get ice. You want to always have that, especially on a busy night. That's when you need it the most. And I'm always thinking about that. It's crazy. It's one of the obsessions you have, but you don't really think about it until you need it, especially the places you work when you have an ice machine. And sometimes 
being what they are, machines, sometimes machines fail. And they fail at the most inopportune moments. And that's when you start to realize, they go, hmm, ice is pretty important. Even when we get a lot of Europeans, Europeans are notorious, I shouldn't say notoriously, but they're famously known for not liking a lot of ice in their drink. When you go, when I'm in another country in, in across the pond and I'm having a soda and things like that, they'll give you three, four cubes in their ice. But we're, you know, here in the U.S., maybe um, Mexico and Canada, we love ice. We love ice on this side and stuff like that. It's just one of those things. And if you don't think ice is important, try to do your party next time without ice. I mean, I guess if you live someplace, you know, where it's cold, you may not think. I don't even think you could have a party in Bismarck, North Dakota in February. Oh, I got to turn this off. Peggy, I'm sorry. That's my my sister's talking there. But I'm going to let her go right there and I'll get back to her. I did tell my sister. It's very interesting that she's calling right now. I'll do the segue right now. It's very interesting that she's calling. It sounds like it's super important. I did tell her that I was doing a podcast. But she will not let go. She is tenacious. She's working on the um, the website right now. And uh, she's one of those people that would use up a lot of ice. You remember, if you remember from yesterday's show, she's the one that thought that it was really, um, that islands can float. So, but she is sharp in her own way. I have to say that. Moving on from there, talking about concerns like ice and things like that. We're inundated nowadays. It's, it may be the constant 24-hour news cycle. There's always something that's going to get us. There's always something that's going to get us. And on the left and the right, everyone has a different emphasis on what is going to ruin us. On the right, they're going to say socialism and, and woke and all this stuff. On the left, it's going to say fascism and corporations and the environment, and gun, you know, guns and guns too, you know, guns. Guns will save us, guns will kill us on both sides. And it's the, the commonality of all these things. We're always on the brink of disaster, it's like it's something new here in the world. There's always something we're waiting to get us. And that's just the way the news is. The news has to be that way. Why would you turn on the news and say, well, listen, we got a box of kittens here and we're going to watch them play around for a while. Oh, and of course there was some fire. There was a fire over here that killed, you know, 50 people. No, no, they they do. They intentionally throw in some good news and stuff like that. But you, normally, if you're a news program, the worse the news is, the bigger the news is. So I guess you can actually have good news. Like you say, the cure for cancer is, is found out. But there's very few huge overlapping good news that pushes out that bad news about war, pestilence, uh, environmental disaster, economic disaster, and things like that. So if, you get, if you'd like take it to heart, you could actually be frightened all the time. 
I'm a news junkie. I am a tremendous news junkie. I listen to it all the time. And I used to take it to heart and it used to bother me when someone I'm not really uh, keen on is doing things I disagree with. And then I get all wrapped up in it. And then I realize it's not really, it's not really affecting my life on a personal level. The biggest things that I need to do, that I need to do, are my own decisions. The biggest effect on my life is usually the decisions I make. It's not usually the decisions someone else has made. Someone else makes, whether it's a politician, a religious leader, um, <clears throat> some uh, social media person, it that it doesn't have as big an impact as that. And we're li- and sometimes we we're led to believe that yeah, the weather is going to affect us whether we're going to go fishing or not if it's storming on there. So we got to listen to the weatherman. You really can't ignore that. But getting up to go fishing early in the morning, that's a function of you getting up early in the morning, getting to bed early enough and getting out to fish. Same thing as going to the gym. Same thing as eating right. So it was easy to seem powerless. One of the big things, and I think this is probably unifies everyone, is uh, the new fears. And I've been talking about this for a couple years on the podcast about artificial intelligence. And now we got chat GB, uh, GPT and all these other uh, artificial intelligence programs coming about. And they think, well, if we're not careful and we got these people, these people, these tech people saying, well, we got to really be careful because this could be the people that are developing it. The people in the group that are developing it are the ones warning us now. Okay, so that would be like Oppenheimer when he was working on the Manhattan Project during World War II, talking in newspapers, says, listen, I'm developing this thing. It's going to just kill us all. It's killing us all. I'm doing it for the thing, but it could kill us all. And you got to be careful with it, blah, 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 and talk about it. Well, they couldn't talk about it because it was a, a secret during World War II. But imagine if he did that, though. Going to say, Link, we're doing this thing, we're developing this thing, and it's well, we got to develop this thing because they're going to be developing this thing. We get, you know, that's kind of like the arms race. That's where artificial intelligence is, where we're probably going to get, if we get bit in the ass by it, it's because people say, we got to do it because their competitors are doing it. And if we don't do it, we're going to fall behind. And that's how arms race is going. We got to develop this missile. We got to develop this hypersonic missile. We got to do this. We got to develop this kind of jet because they're going to develop a jet and we don't have anything to combat the thing that they, you know, things like that. So we got to develop this thing that's super dangerous because someone else is developing that's super dangerous. And you just start thinking about it. I'm not in control of this. This isn't happening. Now, it is possible that all these things, whether environmental crisis, uh, political crisis, health crisis, uh, did I mention climate crisis? They could all happen and you have nothing you can do about it. There, yeah, you can do things to mitigate the way you experience it, meaning you could do, you know, you could do your doom, doomsday prep. You know, get your, all your frozen freeze-dried uh, foods, build your bunker, 
get your guns, get your water uh, desalinization plant set up, your renewable energy, your post-apocalyptic gardening preparations. You could do all those things, but, you know, there's always a possibility that you could be preparing for the wrong thing, right? You could be preparing for the wrong thing. Like there's a certain set of circumstances people say, well, I'm going to try to prepare for as many as possible, right? Or you can choose. Now, this is just the possibility. You can live in fear of what's going to be coming down the road in the next couple of years or today, tomorrow, the next couple of years or never. Or you do what I try to do. And try to enjoy your life right now. Because there's no guarantees. You know, you could be absolutely sure. We could get a message. We could get a message today from outer space that's coming along and just saying it's the people discovered us and they said, you know, the first the first radio signals or television signals that were sent out, we they saw us about 30, 40 years ago, and they said, we're going to head over to that neck of the woods to see what's going on there. And they could be heading over here, and they said, we're going to send a message, and we're going to be coming. You know, we're going to be coming. We just wanted to get telling them, we're arriving. We don't want you to get upset. Now, that would be big news. Don't get me wrong. That would be big news. You said, hey, we're coming. We got your message. And you could leave some kind of obtuse message, and they say, well, listen, we don't know if they're coming to be our friends to be our allies, to be our overlords, or because they're coming to eat us. Right? You can prepare for that. Or you can prepare for zombies, which is unlikely. Zombies. Or a fungus-like thing that turns you into zombies. Or an asteroid strike. Or a solar flare. Or the switching of the poles. There's so many things that go on. It would be funny here if you designed, you know, if you said, well, I'm preparing for collapse of society and I'm building an underground bunker down here in the Keys, and which I don't think you should really put an underground bunker in the Keys necessarily because we could end up, if there's a lot of, let's say, let's say there was extra meltage going on. stuff, but we're going to be covered with water and you just you're covering up the entrance to your underground thing and be underwater anyway. And, you know, it's best to maybe do it in something a little higher elevation. But I'm just saying, you can prepare for all the things and then you may not be prepared for the right one. You know, you might, you might, you might be prepared for the wrong disaster. And then you were worried about it. Maybe that did calm you down and stuff like that, but all that time you were preparing it, you missed out. You missed out on the survivalist uh, convention down the road. You could have went to, but you were building your bunker. You know? You were ready and say, oh my gosh, I could have, um, you know, if you were building your, you know, you were making your zombie uh, defense kit with all your special weapons, your pickaxe and stuff like that, and you missed the Comic-Con convention in Orlando. You're missing life when you're preparing for things that are 
they there is a possibility happen happening, but it's unlikely that it will happen, maybe. And your preparations for something like that, like down here, it makes sense to prepare for a hurricane and have like a, or storm. I don't go heavy on storm supplies because our place really can't weather a bad storm. So if we went through a bad storm, I would probably hightail it out of here. So I, I don't need to have like hundreds of gallons of water here. Now, I do have to have... Now, obviously, I would have water and food if I was going through a storm and we were, you know, out for commission for like three, four days. That's a good idea to have. It's good to have like three, four days. You're trying to do, you know, if you... you, you the people that believe in the the, uh, the house is your castle and you have to be able to survive six months... That's a specific site, uh, uh, specific set of preparations that you make. And, but, you know, you don't have to, if you make sure that you have enough for four days. And if you worry about your security and stuff like that, maybe it's good to have it. Maybe good to, I'm not suggesting, I'm not a, um, um, you know, maybe good to have a weapon. It doesn't mean you have to have an arsenal. Imagine if you have an arsenal of weapons and stuff like that. And then you have you bought all these uh, different types of ammunition you need and stuff like that. And then eventually one of the ammunitions you found out, like, you bought, well, I got a good deal on this uh, automatic, uh, the uh, ammunition I need for my automatic rifle, semi-automatic rifle. And it's, oh, the ammunition is bad. It's from Albania. I bought it on surplus. And it's, it's spoiled. See, all these preparations and things like that. and Or my dried asparagus is contaminated. My 50 pounds of dried asparagus is contaminated. It's no good. Or you never get to use it. I wonder how many survival this bunkers there are from the 1950s. With some of the supplies in it still from them, like K rations and things like that. You know, these old K rations sitting around. So you might be missing, you know, you may be using your resources to prepare for something. And there's always the likelihood, like someone says, well, I've been preparing for an asteroid strike. And they said, well, it may not happen. You know, you're the big winner if it does. You know, if there's a zombie apocalypse, yes, you're the big winner. You were saying, I told you, I told you. But in the end, who's it? You're, you're losing. You're actually losing. Now, if that's your fun, it makes sense. So I would suggest to turn off the news and live for today. Try to do that. I always get people talking about that. They worry about it. And I told you about one of my regulars coming in who told me that the, the U.S. government is trying to kill the, everyone. And I said, okay, before they're trying to kill everyone, what's the major thing they want to do? Are they trying to make money or trying to have power? They're trying to control our lives? Well, how do you control your, someone's life? Well, you get the ultimate control of someone's life when you take their life away, right? Yes, I understand that. But really, if you don't have anybody to control, 
you're really not in control, are you? You know, if you were a government decided to do something like that, and I said, you know, so your emphasis on the government's trying to kill everyone, I don't think that's necessarily true. Now, they may have the wrong policies, but I, I don't think they're trying to kill you with food and things like that. I mean, if they've been trying it, they've been trying to do it for years. Because you get to see all the shit that we've been eating. Yes, and I've been eating. I absolutely love that stuff. And I'm not saying to ignore any dangers and things like that, but just take a healthy healthy skepticism and move on with your life. Turn off the news someday. Try not to, you know, you can take, um, when to give a warning, obviously you got to take, when to give a warning, if there's an approaching hurricane, you got to prepare for that. You know, plan, that's like I do with the family. We plan our escape route and things like that. If there's a a tornado warning, you look for a safe shelter. If there is anything, you know, there's just a modicum of interest is good, but not an overarching one. And there are people like that. Whenever you got air raid shelters and stuff like that in Kiev, yes, it makes sense to go to your air raid shelter and watch out for a Russian missile coming in. But, you know, a lot of the things that they post are not eminent. You hear about shark attacks, it doesn't mean you're going to get a shark attack. Enjoy the beach. Enjoy the beach. Don't play with that shark. Don't try to ride on the back of that shark. That would be my word of advice. Don't ride on the shark or poke it. Don't poke it in the eye until after it's attacked you. Because they always say, punch, punch the shark in the nose. That'll show them. Yeah. Don't worry about the shark attack. Don't worry about the zombie uh, apocalypse or the asteroid strike right now. Go out and enjoy your summer. And remember, always have enough ice. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. I'll talk to you later. Bye.